put the video together, and I even forgot the little bump at the end. Church, it is good to be with you this morning. My name is Andy Maddock. I'm the lead pastor here at Valencia United Methodist Church. It's an honor and a privilege to stand before you today to do the work of uh, exploring God's Word with you, to come to figure out who we are as a people of God, particularly in light of this theme of mind your manners and, and knowing who we are, the P's and Q's of faith, so to speak. So we're talking about mind your P's and Q's, the manners of faith, if you will, this fourfold pattern of the things that we all learned as children about how to be polite in society together and what they say about the gospel and our pattern of life and how we treat each other in the body of Christ. We started with the power of please and uh, unpacking the idea last week of what it might mean for us to walk from a pattern of asking others and asking God from a pattern of please rather than that as soon as possible approach that so many of our prayers often take. Could we be a people whose lives are pleasing to God and care for the pleasure of others, maybe at times even above our own? This is week two. And for week two, we turn to uh, what is oftentimes a response to the dynamic that the kids will bring us at the end of our series. Two weeks from now, the kids will talk about the idea of thank you and gratitude, especially as we get closer to November and a season for that. I hope to be able to thank God for cooler weather by the end of the month of October. We'll get there, I hope and pray. But when they talk about thank you, we'll hold in tension with them the experience of this morning, that natural knee-jerk response of, you're welcome. Now, those of you with children or grandchildren who grew up in the frozen era, or not the frozen era, uh, the Moana era, uh, may remember Dwayne The Rock Johnson's version of this as Maui, what can I say except you're welcome? Uh, a way of offering that sense of, you have so much to be grateful for, and as the giver of all of those gifts, you're welcome for them. You're welcome as a way of responding to the gratitude of another. It's a way of insisting on the idea that your gratitude is pleasing to me, and what I have done partners with your understanding of that gift. But there is a generational divide at play in this manner of faith. So my question for today, it's going to be on the screen. Those of you at home, you can put your answer, YouTube, Facebook, chat, send me a text, whatever. Are you team, you're welcome, or team, no problem? Have you experienced this generational divide? Right? Someone opens the door for you. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. That just feels right for some people. Maybe of a particular age and a particular stride. A younger person opens the door for you. Thank you. No problem. It doesn't roll off you in quite the same way. There was a Reddit thread that emphasized the idea that there seems to be this deep tension between boomers and millennials, where it seems that millennials are being disingenuous by saying no problem as a response to gratitude. There are those of older generations who are frustrated by that idea, who feel like they don't take seriously the power of gratitude and the ways in which appreciation is a part of how we are civil to one another. It's led to a, a, a work in linguistics and, and, and social engineering. There are researchers who are now working on the you're welcome, no problem, problem. About this idea of living into the tension of does saying something like no problem imply that what has been offered is some kind of personal favor? Or it would have been an inconvenience, but I chose for it not to be. You are a problem, but I'm going to tell you you're not. 
it's an interesting tension we live into, this generational one. A part of the tension that this you're welcome dynamic uh, provides is a cultural issue, is a cultural one. The pattern of responding to gratitude and your welcome with, or to, to thanks with your welcome is the idea that this was just the right thing to do in the time. Of course, you're to it. The linguistic pattern of it is such that welcome is a word we use in other contexts. We put it on maps. We use it as a way of describing someone's arrival. In fact, that's what the word origin is. Vil meaning good or pleasurable and com meaning you have come here. Some of you are picturing the opening of Cabaret. Velkomen, welcome. It's exactly that idea. So when you say you are welcome, it is a way of saying this interaction between you and me is one that is pleasing to me. It is right to be here. This idea of pleasure manifests itself in all sorts of things, so much so that the response uh, to uh, 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 this sense of gratitude in German is not willkommen. It's not you're welcome. It's bitte, which is their word for please as a way of saying it was a pleasure for me to do it. It was pleasing for me to do whatever it is you are thankful for. All of the cultures that are represented on our wall and in your hearts and your lives and stories work much the same way. French has a formal way of saying you're welcome, right? Avec plaisir, with pleasure. But they also have a way of just doing it. De bien, wasn't a problem, wasn't an issue. Even Spanish. If I was to say to you, gracias, and you took elementary Spanish, one or two, the answer would be de nada, which means of nothing. There's a way, if you were being more formal, if you were greeting somebody of a higher stature and they offered you your thanks and gracias, there's a way of responding. You would say con gusto, with joy, with much gust. Other cultures have this, you're welcome, no problem dynamic as well. But the interesting thing about your welcome is that there has become this unintended emphasis, which I think drives the problem problem. And it's this. It's emphasis. Sometimes in life, we put at the end of your welcome a period. It's a way of saying you're welcome. I experience this rightness, this right thing to do in the moment, this sense of gratitude. I am pleased at your arrival, and I am pleased with this experience. Some of us begin to abuse the phrase. We put a question mark at the end. You're welcome? Oh, we know what that emphasis is. The expectation. Aren't you grateful for what I did for you? It's the tone of Maui's song. What can I say except you're welcome? So offer me your thanks. I've done so much. I realize it. Why don't you? The danger is, is that the emphasis can get more severe when instead of a question mark, you put an exclamation point at the end. Well, you're welcome. We've met those people too. This sense of abusing this one phrase about how we are going to relate to one another and how we are going to treat the situation. For me, as a fan of words, I got into the linguistics of you're welcome this week, probably far deeper than I really should have and spent a whole lot of time with. The idea of being, the, the phrase itself, you're welcome, has an etymological root that we can find in terms of its use in this way in the English language only back to 1907 in writing. Now, it appears in various versions of that much before that. Even in the play Othello, one character is thanked for their ladyship, and it says, your honor is most welcome here. 
But again, that's almost location-based, not activity-based. This emphasis of the idea of how this welcome is going to come and be and how we are going to use it. The simple truth is, is we have always had a variety of ways to offer that same sentiment. So much so that you go on Google and you find websites like this. 52 other ways, I won't read them all, to say you're welcome. Some of them are between friends and close fieldy. Always glad to help. Makes me happy. Ah, it was nothing. It's always great to be of assistance. Just ask any time. Pleased to be of assistance to you. Thank you for allowing me to help. The pleasure is all mine. You're so kind. Casual between friends. Absolutely. Anytime. Don't give it a second thought. Don't mention it. I've got your back. Just returning the favor. No worries. Ah, there's a good one. Hakuna Matata. The people who respond to thank you with the idea of course. That one bugs you. It's an interesting turn of phrase, of course. Welcome is to emphasize that you did the right thing. I did the right thing. We did the right thing in relationship with one another at the right time in the moment. And as a matter of course, it was the correct thing to do. And so people who respond to thanks with of course or sure. Or then you, those of you that have been in sales or customer service will recognize phrases like, customers are our first priority. I am here to serve. I'm happy to support the team just doing my job right you ever been you're welcome to that way somebody bagging your groceries thank you for that just doing my job it's what i'm here customer satisfaction is my goal or my hope in preaching it's my aim to please you're welcome this sensibility about how we are going to exist in right relationship with one another how it is we can find our way into a pattern of expressing appreciation and gratitude, but also being a people of a service mind and mentality that says it was the right thing at the right time to help you, to serve you, to connect with you, to relate with you, to see you, to speak with you, to love you. That's truly and deeply how the disciple expresses your welcome. It becomes a manifestation of the love that you've experienced from God in yourself made real in the world so that you begin to do the kind of things that others are struck by to the point where they may say, thank you. I'm always intrigued when I get a thank you note for memorial service. Because for me, that's a chance for the church and for me to do our best and finest work to offer our care and grace for a family and it would never occur to me that you would owe me anything any indebtedness any sense of gratitude for doing what is my best and our finest in the midst of your deep need but i have most of those thank you notes because they express a deep heart sentiment about the idea that this was the right thing at the right time. It's what we needed. It's where we were and you met us there. That's the pattern of discipleship and of service. This morning, for the rest of my time, I want to take a bit of a deep dive into a very powerful scripture as we prepare to thank our unpaid servants and honor one of our own. It comes from John chapter 15. The words will be up there. I will read them for you. And I want to do it in two parts. Because it itself is one part of a larger three-part cycle of Jesus blessing his disciples in preparation for his death. 
This is the season in the Gospel of John where Jesus is making ready these 12 men who have responded to His call, who have offered their prayers and service and partnership with Him and have served Him faithfully throughout His ministry. He knows what's next. He's going to die and be resurrected. And so He's preparing them. I do want to get to what's at the heart of nine and following, but the beginning of it is so lush and beautiful, I wanted to kind of wade through there with you this morning as well. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Jesus is reflecting on this idea of vines and branches of roots, trunks, and that which bears fruit out at the end of things. One of the things that strikes me about this passage is that it is the branches that are the fruit bearers. And so if the vision that Jesus has, and there's a picture of a a vineyard branch up here, is that He is what roots you to the soil, to the strength, to the life, and you are these fruit-bearing branches, it is not the root itself, the vine itself that is bearing the fruit. It is you as a natural response to being rooted and remaining in Him. Our work to bear fruit is one of natural order. It is the right thing at the right time. We need not be grateful for it nor should we offer our your welcomes it is really to the point of saying no problem i want to bear fruit because that is who i'm designed to be help me to remain in you and this sense of clinging the sense of rootedness is a spiritual one and one that you and i can lean into again jesus is preparing his disciples for his upcoming death and passing he will no longer be with them in physical body and yet he invites them to remain in him and he in them how do we do that it's a work of the spirit it's a work of our experience of god within us and that is in fact what makes clear that we as the body of christ become the physical manifestation of the fruits of joy of peace of love of service in the world that surrounds us Because that root within us, that spiritual remaining, gives us such strength. And why is it done? It's done to the pleasure, to the welcome, to the bitter, to the pleasingness, to the glory of God. We are called to serve the larger tree, to be fruit bearers. 
And then the prayer and the instruction and the disciples turns from, you are the auxiliary, you are the outbound reach, you are the networkers, you are the servants in the field, you are the farmers, to something so powerful and intimate that it strikes me every time. It continues in this way in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. That's the NIV translation. Other translations say, abide. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made complete. So my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. For greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends and you are my friends if you do what I command I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know the master's will does not know the master's business instead I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known in you you did not choose me but I chose you I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last So that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command to you. Love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You're not out there and alone. Just pressing out the fruit that God demands. You are my friends and servants no more. Imagine the change in the life of Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, Simon the Zealot, all of these men who come to know Jesus as rabbi, as teacher, as the top of the pyramid, so to speak, now saying, you are not beneath me, you are not below me, you are partners to me in work, in love. You are welcome here in the kingdom of God, and you're welcome in your service to the world. It is the right thing at the right time. You're my friend. I love you. You are loved, so love others. Church, this place, this vision of United Methodism, this vision of Valencia United Methodist Church exists and continues to exist because of the expressions of love that come from each of you out of your regard for the love of God. When you make God's love welcome in your heart, in your soul, in your life, you then become vessels, you become branches rooted in God's mercy and purpose so that you might transform the world. The health and vitality of Valencia United Methodist Church is rooted in the idea of we are all unpaid servants. Before the end of our service today, we're going to thank one of our own with the Towel and Basin Award. And as a part of our transition out today, we're going to invite you to have your hands washed at one of the two basins by your pastors and as an expression of our gratitude, yes, but also as an experience of your welcome here and that sense of rightness and belonging. You see, Jesus came to serve the servants. 
He washed their feet at the end of the Gospel of John, this manifestation and story of those who are broken and cast out, following a great teacher to bear fruit, who have then become friends and servants no more. No, rather, he will serve them. And there's a picture just of feet being washed. This story of foot washing becomes a powerful metaphor for the idea when Jesus says, as I have served you, serve one another. As I have loved you, love one another. As I have welcomed you into the kingdom, welcome one another with grace and mercy. So we're not quite yet to thank you. Our kids will show us the way. But I say this, for every lay person in the life of this church who's making a difference here and off our campus, you are the fruit of God's abundance. And I am grateful for you. Let's pray.